This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, that's me. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Arbor, Unger, Picker, Plager, Rab, McDonald, Shock, Hall, Chris Moore, Patey, Harvey, Jimmy, Robert, Sabarin, Barronson, Thompson, Akers, Hester, Baird, O'Pierre, Plant, Jock, Plant, Gossip, Merrick, Ritzer, Bino, Stevenson, Davidson, St. Marseille, McCreary, Leffley, Ecclestone, Huck, Palace, Harry, Talbot, Keenan, Sandy, Yassi, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, gimme a let's go blues. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your 2019 Stanley Cup champions of the world, the St. Louis Blues. I'm your host, Tom Franklin, joining you uh, once again after a little bit of a break. And of course, I'm joined by my partner in crime, a man so infamous, he only goes by the name Wags. Wags, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. The fact that we're going to have hockey back here very, very shortly excites me. I am ready to go. I'm, I'm done with this doldrums of no sports. Yeah, it is. It has been absolute, absolutely terrible. Like I have had to try. I, I tried to get into Korean baseball. I, I couldn't get into Korean baseball at all. Uh, I'm kind of sort of getting back into soccer a little bit just because it's something that's going on. But I am ready for hockey and I am so ready for hockey. And in fact, you know, hockey fever, it is something that crosses borders, it crosses oceans. Uh, Gerard, the St. Louis uh, Blues fan from uh, the Netherlands, he, uh, he tweeted this morning that uh, he, is, he too is ready to go. He's ready for the puck to drop. He's ready to get the game going. Uh, so I just, it, it is nothing but positives here. I know some people are worried a little bit about, uh, you know, will he get the season in? Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that today. And also we're going to have a, a special Aloha commentary from our friend from Hawaii, Guy Bensing, uh, the Hawaii blues fan, who's got a, something or two to say about positivity and staying positive, even in these, uh, trying times as well. So we'll hear from him there. And then we're also, uh, going to hear a little bit from Chris Kerber at the end of this episode. Uh, Kerber was recently a guest on Guy's, uh, video podcast and we have permission to play some of that for you here so we'll play that at the very end uh hear how Kurt, how chris is going to go back to the virtual booth i guess if you will he's not actually going to be in edmonton but we'll uh, talk to him about his experiences coming up here so um what have we been up to well for me first of all um if you're watching this on our facebook page or on our twitter play, uh, page first of all yes we're doing video versions of this now um, I have a new setup. I'm no longer in my closet. So I guess you can say I got out of the closet, but not in that way. Um, but, uh, I just figured, you know what, 
you guys don't want to watch a guy recording into a microphone with his, you know, laundry hanging behind him. You know, it just, you know, I got, I got better laundry here. You know, it's, it's, it's in the form of these, uh, uh, playoff rally towels here. So, um, but we are going to start doing that uh, this season and beyond. So we have a YouTube page. It is uh, just simply Blue Notes. Just search for Blue Notes, and uh, you'll find us there. Um, we're going to do that. Um, what have I been up to? Well, I haven't been completely just you know phoning it in. Um, we did, I have I was a part of our hockey THPN after hours on July 11th. Uh, we uh, did that on Facebook as well as Patreon. You can check it out there as well. It's a lot of fun. 12 of us got together from our hockey podcast network. And uh, if you want to see a Nashville Predators fan get absolutely massacred uh, by a Coyotes fan, uh, that is the place to be. Corey Crenshaw dropped in and just completely chair-shotted, uh, you know, Craig from uh, the Rippin' Biscuits podcast. It's Check it out. It's on, on the Hockey Podcast Network Facebook and YouTube page. Uh, we have apparel wags. Uh, why don't you tell us about what for apparel? Yeah, yeah. What for Apparel has been our uh, our merchandise page. We've got some shirts, hoodies, uh, coffee mugs, unbelievably cool stuff. We're able to uh, create some things of our own with our logo on there and, and really get in the ground floor on that because that might be the only time you get the chance to see that logo as we're working on some updates on it. So you can have an OG Blue Notes uh, item before we change the logo for what's at what's for apparel.com slash blue notes. We've got a link on our Facebook page where you can order that stuff as well. And it also helps kind of support our podcast as well. So make sure you get it out there, get some merchandise, rep us, rep yourself and help us out. And even, even if this is your first episode and you go to what a blue notes what for apparel.com and you get yourself a blue note shirt with the uh, original logo, you could say you're there from the beginning. Even if you weren't, you know, we're not going to tattle on you. It's fine. We don't, we don't do that here on blue notes. We'll take uh, all the fans we can get <laughs> every single one of them. Absolutely. I mean, why, I mean, why do you think we have our guests on today? I mean, you know, you know, Gabriel Foley from uh, St. Louis, uh, St. Louis game time. He's got himself a following. So, and he's got some, uh, stuff to talk about as well we'll get to him in just a little bit uh we have a fan line you can drop us a message anytime you want uh 314-329-4349 314-329-4349 call it text it 24 7 and make your voice heard on blue notes and one thing we want to try to do with this podcast going forward a few of our other Hockey Podcast Network brethren have started doing this, is recording our podcasts live and streaming them on Facebook. Um, at the very least, Facebook, we might dab- dabble with some other uh, outlets as well. Uh, but we just want to try to find a way to interact with you listeners, uh, give you something special to do on a, you know, you, we usually record on Sunday afternoons anyway. So, you know, if you're trying to stay inside and not, you know, you know, sweat off about 20 pounds outside, you know, because it's, you know, bloody hot outside, um, you know, we can, you can check us out uh, at the Blue Notes Facebook page. We're going to do these live. I don't know when we're going to start doing them, but at the very least, this edition will be available in video form uh, after some post-editing is done. So, And the really cool thing is with the NHL starting up is we may actually be able to interact with people during games, which is going to be really, really cool as well. Yeah, we can have a watch party. Like, you know, say it's like two to two, you know, uh, it's, it's the uh, first round the Blues are taking on Oh, let's just say the Coyotes, for instance, you know, and, and the, it's, the series is tied two to two. It's third period. The game is two to two. Tensions are high. You got to blow off steam. We might pop on and do a watch party with you guys so you guys can, you know, vent your frustrations and suffer with the rest of us Blues fans because if there's one thing Blues fans do well, it is suffer. So 
Um, so that's just some of the things we got going on here. Uh, new series starting this week as well. We're only going to do once a week podcasts like this. Um, you know, we used to do t- uh, twice a week. We're going to roll that back a little bit. But then instead of a podcast on Thursday, what we're going to do on our Blue Notes YouTube page as well as our Facebook page is a series I like to call Unsung Blues, where we pick the most random blues, you know, that have, you know, you've never heard of and try to give them some love, try to give them some dap. And uh, for the first one, we are going to go to the 90s. And have you ever wondered whatever happened to Roman Vopat? Um, we're going to tell you what happened to Roman Vopat this Thursday uh, in our series. He recently was a guest on our Fourth Line podcast, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll play a little bit of that for you here. But he's more than just the guy that was traded for Wayne Gretzky. Let's just, let's just put it that way. So, and again, we got our Aloha commentary coming up this episode. Uh, he talked to Chris Kerber. We'll play some of that. And I think that covers just about everything here. This is the first episode in about a month and a half. So we had a lot to cover straight off the bat. But without further ado, we are going to bring on our guest for this episode here right off the bat. He is a very smart young mind when it comes to blues hockey and hockey in general. You've seen his work on St. Louis game time, as well as last word on hockey. His name is Gabriel Foley. So let's go ahead and play that beautiful NHL 94 music. All right. And Gabriel is with us here on blue notes and uh, Gabriel welcome. And uh, how's your day going in uh, beautiful uh, central Illinois? Going good. It's, I think it's 75 outside for the first time in at least a few months. So I'm it's envious. a good day. I'm envious. I, uh, uh, I live in Dogtown in St. Louis, and I live in a second-floor apartment. And, unfortunate, and the unfortunate thing about living in an older-style apartment is that you have to have window AC units. And for the, to record this podcast, I have to turn my window AC off. Otherwise, you just hear it in the background constantly. So if I, if, if I start to look like I'm melting here in about a half an hour, uh, that's why. I think we're a little warmer than 75 today. Um, so, so, uh, so first of all, tell us you know, a little bit about yourself, Gabriel. I mean, you're, uh, you're, you're, from, you're from Peoria or the Peoria area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spent my whole life watching the Riverman. I go to college at Bradley in Peoria. I'm stuck here. How much of a bummer was it when the Rivermen uh, uh, ceased to be? Oh, it was. I mean, it took something out of the city of Peoria, not just the hockey fans, but I mean, you had the entire city banding together over that team. So that's why the team rushed. And now they're a part of the uh, SPHL yep. with John Guy Trudell as their coach. But it's, it's not the same. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, I know the SPHL can have some pretty fun games, but it's just when you're not connected to the uh, NHL, you know, tree, if you will, it's, it's, I can understand you feeling disconnected. Yeah. I mean, especially because, I mean, you think about the Rivermen. I mean, think of the players that have come up through the Rivermen, you know, over the years, including um, who I understand is your favorite non blue, Ian Cole. Yep. So yeah. Why Ian Cole? Well, I mean, you hit the, nail on the head he came up through the rivermen and we had season tickets growing up so i met all those rivermen regulars uh ian cole ryan reeves all them and uh and those two were the ones that stuck with me were cole and reeves they were the nicest guys you could ever meet um all about 
the kids and interacting with them and stuff. So they were my heroes growing up. Um, David Backus as well, same way. Um, so it's hard to see that the three names that I really attached to as a kid all <laughs> got sent out of town. Yeah, I I'll admit I wasn't the biggest Ian Cole fan. I mean, I thought he was a I, I, he was all right, I guess. But I mean, I it always seemed to me like, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Gabriel. But he always seemed like he thought more of himself than I think he actually performed on the ice. I mean, I I wasn't sad to see him go personally, but I mean, at the same time, I recognize that he 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 was he did have some talent. Um, how I mean. In, at the time, you know, going back to when that trade was done, do you think that the Blues should have done more to maybe placate Ian Cole a little bit and, and maybe, you know, try to keep him in the blue note? I I thought he never got his fair shake. Yeah. Um, this was all before I started, you know, my writing, started really caring about hockey. So I wasn't as analytical as I am now. But just being the biggest fan of him, um, you never really saw him above the second line you never saw him get the star minutes that i and like you said he thought he deserved um and then he went to pittsburgh and did get those minutes and we saw what happened so maybe it's for the better yeah and 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 wags you were kind of a ian cole fan too right yeah, I certainly was. I, I enjoyed the way he played. Uh, you know, he got a lot of hype coming out of college, coming out of Notre Dame, and people thought, yes, he's going to be a high, a high draft pick or a high, yeah, a high pick and a good player for this team. And it just, it, it seemed like you guys have said that he never got a chance to really fit in with the group that was playing with the Blues. And in this situation, it felt like he got shipped out not to bring in a player but really to get him in a spot where he could probably shine and be a little bit better and, and that trade brought us Robert Portuzo which you know brought us a little grit to that back line and as you saw helped us win a Stanley Cup sometimes a little bit too much grit at times <laughs> but uh, you know that that's another story for another podcast if you will um, but I you know one final thing about Ian Cole I know he's in uh, Colorado right now and we've we've talked to our uh, hosts of the Offside by a Mile podcast uh, Tyler and Jared about Ian Cole in the past and they like Ian in Col- in Colorado and uh you know, and you know, he he seems to have find he seems to have found his niche at least. You know, and, and that's that's a good thing. Um, but speaking of uh, blues defenders, you know, promising young blues defenders, um, we here one thing me and Wax can definitely agree on is we think Scotty Prunovich is going to be an excellent NHL defenseman. We I have the biggest man crush on him. I don't know how Wags you know feels about you know him in that regard, but uh, I just think he's going to be uh, just everything I've read about him um, seems to point to a future you know power play quarterback. Uh, he's got you know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but that hasn't stopped like Tory Krug and others. Uh, you recently on uh, St. Louis Game Time, uh, Gabriel, you did an article uh, figuring out Scotty Prunovich's expectations and kind of you know you know talk a little bit about that and talk about like you know should we temper our expectations a little bit with him or should we be optimistic? Yeah, so I do all I can to scout as many Blues prospects as I can throughout the year. And uh, these past three years, I've really, really paid my mind to Perunovic. Um, he's a great, quick, smooth-moving, puck-moving defenseman. Um, you know, he just led University of Minnesota Duluth to 
back-to-back championships and in his freshman year they were the runner-up so you really saw his impact um in minnesota throughout college but i always kind of took the under on him it's hard for me to get excited about college prospects um because i feel like they always disappoint so i always shoot low um your goal was a college prospect exactly exactly (laughs) Uh, but Using um, Byron Bader, who on Twitter, if you're interested in his models, he's uh, at Byron M. Bader, I believe. But he has uh, NHLE models, which are NHL expected models. And they are really starting to get picked up by NHL scouting departments. Um, It's a tool used to kind of translate a player's performance into like an NHL eye, um, while also giving a bit of foreshadowing kind of predicting players future um and so it's a great tool to objectively look at a player um and how they've performed since they were drafted and scotty prunovich's nhle model is incredible um as i mentioned in my article is better than vince dunn my my favorite blues player vince dunn um it's better than Thomas Chabot's was, um, you know, better than Kale McCarr's, better than Adam Fox's. Um, so it's, it, it doesn't say that Prunovich is better than all those players. Obviously, he's never played an NHL game. So, you know, we can't shoot for the stars already. But I think, you know, watching him play, watching him bring the talent that he has despite being 5'9", um, and the impact that he has on the game and then combining it with this objective tool that has perfectly predicted every prospect that I've looked at with it. Um, yeah, I think Prunovich is right up there with those guys like Fox, McCarr, Vince Dunn, those great young talents that in two to three years, we're going to be very lucky to have. So saying that, and obviously Vince Dunn, you said he's your favorite Blues player. Given the Blues cap situation, is this an instance where maybe Perunovic is in the position to push a guy like Dunn out? Or is it where it allows the Blues to maybe move on from Alex Petrangelo and get this youth into the lineup as well? That's that's a good question. Um, Perunovic is right in there with their style of play, uh, with the puck moving, the ability to quarterback the offense, like, Thomas said, so if, if I was Doug Armstrong and I could only re-sign one of them, I'm taking Petrangelo every time. You know, he's likely a Norris candidate this year. He's going to be for the next few years. Um, I think one of my stat buddies sent me a thing that showed Perunovic is expected to perform at this level for the next four, five, six years, despite how old he is. Right? Yeah. So, I think, yeah, Perunovic is in a perfect, uh, perfect spot to replace Vince Dunn. As hard as that is for me to say, but if if I only have to re-sign one of them, you gotta take Pranch or Petrangelo. 
Yeah, Petrangelo, yeah. And, and Vince Dunn is also one of my favorite players as well. And, you know, if the Blues end up getting rid of him, they, they're, they're losing a lot on their, their power play. Uh, Dunn is, you know, he's one of those defensemen that, you know, is also you have to worry about him scoring goals, you know, because he, you know, puts, you know, he can put up double digits pretty easily every year. And he's also a fantastic Fortnite player as well. I think he's, you know, I think he just won an NHL Fortnite tournament. So there's, there's also that as well if the Blues ever wanted to dip into the world of esports um but you know it, it, getting back to you know let's, let's let's shift over to Petrangelo now so um Petrangelo you know the, he, he could walk on you here in a little bit the Blues got kind of um you know hurt by the pandemic and that the cap stayed locked in at 81 and a half uh and I think as of right now with Petrangelo and done the resign I think you only have like two million dollars worth of cap space so let, let's go ahead and put yourself back into Doug Armstrong's shoes, Gabriel. Um, how do you clear cap space to re-sign Petrangelo? Well, I did an article on this recently, too, and it's not easy. Um, the three names that I think everyone's talking about are Alex Steen, Tyler Bozak, and Jake Allen. Um, and so I looked at all three of them as objectively as I could. Um, and... You know, I think right off the bat, I'm keeping Jake Allen. Every nine times out of ten, um, he had just had a great season in a backup role that he seemed comfortable in. Um, you know, his claim to fame in Peoria and in the in the minors in general was backing up Ben Bishop. He's always been a star backup. He's never been that star starter. Um, so I'm keeping him. Um, Bozak. You know, I could go either way on his defensive impact by the numbers. It's really good, but um, he's never been jaw dropping for me. Um, but the, the, I don't want to say the rumor, but the buzz I've heard from my Montreal Canadiens colleagues who that team is desperately looking for young left defensemen. Um, I've heard from them that they could see the Canadians pulling off the deal like they did um, a few years ago involving Joel Armia and Steve Mason, I think. Yeah, um, I remember that. Where, yeah, from Winnipeg. Yep, where Vince Dunn gets traded to Montreal, the rights to him get traded to Montreal, along with Alex Steen. And so the Blues get that huge cap dump um, along with, you know, I, I don't want to, worded this way but dumping one of their worries on montreal um then you'd still have another move to make maybe a small end guy like you know in my article i mentioned carl gunnerson because the blues do have a lot of young defensemen coming up but um yeah i think if i can if i'm doug armstrong and i can find a deal like that where i can use vince dunn as a bartering chip to dump some cap on another team yeah i'm for sure taking that Doug Armstrong has has shown his ability to get guys to take on these kinds of deals. Um, Is it an instance where maybe you could see even a a guy like a Jaden Schwartz be used in that same sort of mode where you can entice a team to take him on while also taking on some more cap space as well? Uh, You know, Schwartz has been a guy that's injury prone, but has a lot of promise and you really don't want to lose that. But in order to keep a guy like Petrangelo, is that something where you could see them maybe dangling him out there to clear some room? I personally haven't flirted with the idea. Uh, in my mind, I've always thought 
if you can trade a replacement level guy or a bottom six guy, do that first. But I've seen that gaining a lot of traction. The more I think about it, um, the more Schwartz deal kind of sounds exciting almost. Um, one, you're probably getting a better return that way. And two, that allows Robert Thomas to bump up into the top six, which the kid's elite. And I think we all agree he deserves as much playing time as we can feed him. Yeah, and, and, and the thing with Schwartz, you know, and I've been kind of thinking about that as well because uh, with Schwartz, I mean, he's a, he's a heck of a player. I mean, you know, we know he's talented, you know, super talented. And, you know, I know he's got a good rapport with Braden Shen. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, this was his first year, I think, ever. Actually, I'm looking at his stats now. The first year ever where he was on track to play all 82 games of the year. Uh, he had played the maximum 71 this year. But before then, you know, you had in 2018-19, he played 69 games. A uh, year before, 62, 78, and then 33 uh, the year before that. Um, so he does have a bit of an injury proneness knocked to him. And, you know, I'm, you know, and I'm also kind of thinking with Schwartz as well, like, all right, the Blues aren't the only team that are dealing with this $81.5 million cap figure. Every team is dealing with that right now. So, how do you entice someone to take on Tyler Bozak who is in his, you know, thirties and he makes $5 million per, I mean, you know, you've got to do some sweetening on that. I like the Steen and Dunn idea to Montreal as much as it would pain me to lose Dunn. Um, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, for, for one, because, I mean, Steen's been a faithful soldier, you know, for all his yeah. career. And, you know, even at his cap figure, I don't hate him because I know he's been very instrumental in helping uh, Sunquist and Barbashev improve their game when Steen moved down to that fourth line level. Um, but the fact of the matter is he makes almost $6 million per season. So it's just, it's, it's not the most ideal situation. Um, and then you have Jake Allen who, you know, I, if I were more confident in Ville Husso, I would probably feel more comfortable with trading away Allen. I mean, you, the mark, the argument's been made that you'll probably never have higher trade value for Jake Allen than you do now. But again, he still makes 4.35 million and you're going to have free agent goalies out there. So, you got to convince a GM to say, okay, um, skip this free agent who you're going to probably sign for, you know, two, two and a half million dollars per to be like a 1A, 1B type and take on this $4.35 million Jake Allen, who, yeah, he had a good year last year, but his track record's been kind of up and down. He's only got one year left. Oh, and you got to give us something kind of decent. To me, in this environment, that's kind of a tough sell. Um, do you agree, Gabriel? Yeah, I totally agree. And, the way I look at it, um, Joel Hofer and Cole Ellis are amazing. Joel Hofer has been the best goalie in Canada in Canadian juniors for the last two seasons, uh, in my eye. So sure. if you're going to trade Jake Allen, wait until you have to re-sign Jane Schwartz or wait till you have to re-sign Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko because by, you know, two, three years from now, Hofer's going to be far, far ready to make that jump. Yeah, I and it, it says a lot about where the organization sees Joel Hofer right now because he is part of the uh, Blues, um, you know, pre-return to play roster right now. It's possible he might get cut eventually, uh, just because I think they have someone that would have to is coming off of IR, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's for, for a kid, you know, what a year Hofer has had. I mean, you know, he, he, he stars in the world juniors and, uh, he is now, you know, being regarded as kind of like the, the next one for the blues, if you will. I think, I think he's still a couple years away. Goalies are one thing we always say here on this podcast. And one thing that you would, you know, as a blues fan yourself is that goaltending is voodoo. Um, so, you know, things, anything can happen along the way, you know, you know, with, with, with over, but I'm hopeful. And now is the part of the show where zoom tells us we are running out of time because we have a free account and we uh, don't have a pro account. So in order to continue our conversation with Gabriel Foley, we have to step out for a moment, restart zoom and uh, continue our conversation that way. In the meantime, here is a word from our sponsor manscaped. This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below-the-belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane! If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. And while we're talking about Joel Hofer and, you know, return to play, let's let's talk about, first of all, the return to play format itself before we get into the games and the, the round robins and, and, and all the fun stuff there. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the, it, this is going to be, in my opinion, the most exciting playoffs in NHL history. And I, that sounds weird saying that because these games are going to be played in bubbles with no fans. But here we have a unique playoff structure here that has not been seen ever you're going to have round robins you're going to have the best you know playing each other for for the, for the first three games you're going to have teams that are lower seated having a fighting chance teams that would have no business otherwise being in the playoffs um and you're not going to have home ice advantage uh i don't think even edmonton and toronto are going to have that i mean yes they're going to play in their home cities if you will but they're not going to have their own fans there so, you know, you take that out of the bill, you're pretty much throwing every team, you know, it, it's really going to be to me, Gabriel, it's going to be determined on simply which team is really the best. I mean, because yeah. you're not going to have a lot of outside influences determining, you know, who, you know, like you're not going to have the rabid Boston crowd in game seven, you know, like you did in the last day on the cup final, you're going to have a silent crowd in Edmonton, which by the way, congratulations on Canada on getting to uh, enjoy a Stanley Cup for the first time since 1993. 
because the cup will be lifted in Edmonton this year. Um, so technically we can pop the cork on that, but, um, I personally, I, I kind of dig the format. I think it's, it's going to lead to some exciting games and some exciting possibilities. Uh, what do you think of the format, Gabriel? I was, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts too, because the round robin, the, the play-in series, um, I've heard a lot of people complain that the, uh, the teams that opted out, the teams like the Blues, uh, the Bruins, et cetera, um, I've heard people complain that they're not going to get the uh, experience and the rush back to form that the teams playing in the play-ins are. But I, I kind of totally disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas you know Edmonton's playing a team like Chicago, who they're going to steamroll. Um, the Blues are playing three of the best teams in the world. And so I think they're going to get whipped back into shape. Not only that, but they get a crack at Chicago themselves in the uh, exhibition game as well. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. So, it, so in the end, it's still going to be four games that the Blues get. And in the first round for the 5 through 12 seeded teams, they're going to get you know anywhere from three to five. So to me, that's fair. I mean, Wags, what do you think? I think it's wonderful. And, and, you know, you hear people complaining all about, you know, oh, they're not really playing for anything meaningful. In my mind, I sit there and go, you know, these teams playing in the round robins, they can set themselves up to go against who they want to play against. Whereas, you know, if you're talking regular season, you're not entirely sure who you're going to be playing. Yes, it'd be great for the Blues to finish first overall, but let's say they don't want to be the team that faces the 8-9 seat. What if they want to face somebody else? They can sit there and kind of position themselves to play well, work on some stuff, but maybe they drop to the second or third seed just so they can have a better matchup for themselves. I'm not saying they're saying they're going to go lose games on purpose, but it does give these teams a little bit of flexibility to play these high-intensity games, but also set themselves up to maybe pick who they're going to play. I don't know if that's possible, but I don't know what you think about that, Gabriel. Yeah, you're not worrying as much. That's actually a really good point. So these really are just all you have to focus on is getting back to the hockey that you played back in for the Blues back in March. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, of course, it's it's. It, I think there's probably going to be a few upsets, you know, throughout this this tournament. There might be one of those one Cinderella team that you know makes a deep run. I have a prediction on that, but we'll we'll get to that point when we get there. Um, but you know, one thing that some some fans have been talking about, and I've been seeing a lot, is you know which team scares people the most in the playoffs, you know, for, for each fan base. We talked about that in our after hours, uh, you know, which you can check out on Facebook and YouTube at the hockey podcast network. Um, for me, um, the team that scares me the most, and it's going to sound a little weird. It's, it's Dallas because Dallas, they, we look at their, uh, their performance at the end of the season. They like went in ass backwards into the playoffs. I mean, they were not playing very well. They have issues on, you know, putting the puck in the net. But you know what else they have? They have Ben Bishop. And Ben Bishop, as we saw last year, and especially in that game seven that I keep harping on, uh, he is a demigod in the playoffs. And when you have a hot goalie uh, that can be as good as Ben Bishop is, you always, 
you know, have to worry about them. I still have PTSD from that game seven, you know, from last year. It was, it was the most emotional experience as a fan because uh, I was in Enterprise Center for that and it was just agony, but it was so good at the end. Um, but Dallas for me is the team that scares me the most. Uh, Gabriel, you recently did an article on how we should start worrying about Colorado. So are they, the, yeah. are they your team? Yeah, by far they're the team that scares me most. Um, if you came up to me and said, Gabe, pick the three teams that you think could win the Stanley Cup this year, it's Boston, St. in no particular order because Boston's not going to win it. Uh, <laughs> but it's Boston, St. Louis, and Colorado. I think they're right in that group. They finished the season, uh, their last, what, 24 games, 17, 5, and 2. Um, they haven't been healthy all season long. Um, in one capacity or another, they've been mi- missing Nathan McKinnon, Nico Rantanen, um, some odd defensemen. Uh, so now they're coming into these playoffs and they're healthy and they were hot ending the season. So we'll see what a healthy, full Colorado lineup can do. And I think they're going to be the ones that give St. Louis a run for their money. Yeah. Yeah, they're the, the they're a very scary team. They're probably my number two. Wags, uh, who's which team gives you the heebie-jeebies? Well, I, I'm along with Gabriel. I think Colorado is probably the team, and I don't dislike your Dallas pick, but I, I still am definitely afraid of Vegas uh, because they've got not one but two goaltenders that can come in and just absolutely stonewall you in in you know Mark Andre Fleury and, and Robin Lehner. So the fact that they're like the Blues in the sense where they've got two goalies that can come in and and win you a game. Uh, they've also got some offensive punch. Their defense hasn't been as good as it was the last couple of years, so that's a, a place you can kind of attack them. Uh, but Vegas scares me in a sense that they've got the goaltending tandem that can really scare any team out there. So obviously there's a reason why the Blues, Colorado, and Vegas are the top three seeds. They, they all three have the potential and the chance to win a Stanley Cup. Which, which also which kind of leads perfectly into my pick for a possible Cinderella in this tournament. And my pick is Arizona. You're going to, they're an 11 seed. It's going to, you know, pop some eyebrows, but they have a lot of good young scoring talent. They still have Keller. Uh, Krause is coming into his own. Uh, Garland's a great forward that you never heard of, but he's really, he's, he's coming into his own. And of course they got Taylor Hall, who, you know, is, is going into a free agency year. He needs to prove that he's worth, you know, the nine, $10 million per year that, some team's going to give him, even though the cap's only 81 and a half mil. He's really got to prove himself now. So I think he's going to be motivated. Their defense has come along. But most importantly, and to your point, Wags, when you have two goaltenders that uh, can steal games for you night in and night out, in Arizona you have both Darcy Kemper, who um, our, uh, Richie from uh, Sporty with Corey and Richie was harping that he should have gotten a Vesna consideration this year. I think that's a little bit of a reach, but you know, cause just cause he wasn't healthy for a lot of the year. Uh, you have Darcy Kemper and you have Auntie Ranta, um, two goalies when they're healthy. And that's kind of the caveat with them when they're healthy are very scary and they're very tough to play against. And guess what? Uh, as part of this format, you know, teams are getting healthier again. You have Tarasenko coming back for the Blues. Uh, Rantanen's at full health for Colorado. Um, you just, and, and then in their case, you know, for Arizona, they got both of their top two goalies as well. So, I, and, and I'm not picking them just because they faced the Nashville Predators in the first round and fuck the Predators is my stance in life. Uh, I'm, I, I think they could have a chance to really surprise in this playoffs. Uh, Gabriel, who would be your Cinderella pick this year? Man, I didn't even 
didn't think of that. I think yeah, this, this is kind of this is the pop quiz part of the. Uh, oh yeah, game. you're all right. I just it's hard to pick. Yeah, it really is. there are so many teams that uh, of the of the playing series, they all feel like they have something, but not everything. Right. So I think uh, Edmonton, if they can figure out their offense, I'm going to go with them. I'm McDavid and Drysaddle are insane. Um, Edmonton's defense was getting figured out. Their goaltending's good. Um, or Carolina. Carolina got Vincent Trocheck and he never played a game with them. They yep. got Sammy Batman, but he never played a game with them. They upgraded their lineup so much and didn't even get to use it. So now they're getting to use it. We saw what Carolina did last year, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and they're a better lineup. They're the same lineup with a few better pieces. Uh, so if I think out of anyone, it's not a Western Conference pick, but I think I could see Carolina going on and tear. Yeah, they. I would love that. I would love to see their um, whatever they call it, the post game with the cup. I think oh, they yeah, lose the, their mind. Yeah, yeah, the, the the bunch of jerks. I mean, you know, you, you got <laughs> that going for them. They have a really deep defense as well. Even you know, they 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 traded Justin Falk for a re- well two reasons. Number one, he was a UFA and they, they couldn't afford him, but also because they had the manpower there, you know, they, they, they have one of the deepest defensive rotations in the league. Um, out of the East. Yeah. That, that's a good pick coming out of the East. Um, and for me coming out of the East, you know, I would probably say honestly, and this is going to sound weird to say, um, Toronto. I, everyone is picking on Toronto this year and it's, and, and, and you can understand why, because, you know, Toronto fans are insufferable. They have these, you know, these young kids that are taking up most of the cap space and they're kind of, you know, they have, they have some depth issues, but you know what? Um, they had, they still have, they still have a, they're, they're still a pretty loaded team, you know, and they, they have, I mean, you know, Anderson's a really good goaltender for him. If he gets hot, you know, I, I think they might make, make mincemeat out of Columbus. And that's a very unpopular take because everyone and their mom seems to be picking Columbus to be Toronto in the first round. And I, you know, I, I, I get it, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of an unsung team in general. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think Toronto's, I think they're they're going to surprise some people. Uh, East and West uh, Wags, uh, who's wearing the glass slipper for you? Uh, that's a really really good question. On your Toronto point, if they can get their defense figured out, you know Frederick Anderson's a, a hell of a goaltender. Uh, if he doesn't have to face fifty or sixty shots a game, he he can win them a series. Uh, so I like that pick. Uh, for me in the East, I, I'm in agreement with Gabriel. I think Carolina has a real, real good chance. They were sneaky good last year. They only got better at the trade deadline. So I'm right there along with him with Carolina. In the West, this is this is going to come way out of left field, but I really like their youth. I really like their talent, and that's Vancouver. Uh, I think they've got a great matchup with Minnesota. They can come out of that series on, you know, on a – on a high from winning a series and that that might prove to be enough to kind of push them over the edge and, and make a run like a Carolina did last year where those you know they got youth they've got some pretty decent goaltending while it is young I like Vancouver out of the west to be a Cinderella team well and you want to talk about Vesna stubs I mean Jacob Markstrom I mean yep. in my opinion probably should have gotten maybe not in a top three, but maybe like, you know, at least maybe like the first or second cut from that, you know, he had a great year for them and it was really kind of a coming out year for him as well, because, you know, he's, he's played on some bad teams over the years and I don't think they ever, I think he was kind of almost regarded in Vancouver a little bit like Jake Allen is here where you wonder if he's ever truly going to be the guy and uh, he's the guy now. 
um, which is interesting timing because they have this kid, Thatcher Demko, that's also uh, going to be really good as well. So good time to get hot with your goalies. Um, let's go ahead and do some predictions here, um, just, just in the first round and the round robin here. So in the Western round robin, you have the Blues, you have Colorado, you have Vegas, and you have Dallas. Um, let's go ahead and start this time with Wags. Wags, how do you see the round, the Western round robin shaking out? Uh, I think you're going to have, I think Colorado will come out on top. I think the Blues finish second, Vegas third, and Dallas fourth. Um, I, I, that's kind of how it works out for me. I think Colorado's just going to steamroll in these round robins, but I think it's going to be uh, for the best that the Blues end up not taking the first spot. And, and what do you think? What do you think that? Just because the matchup, I just, I don't like them having to play Calgary or Winnipeg out of that first round. If I think that's how it matches up with the one versus the eight or nine. I just I think I so. don't like that at all. Um, Winnipeg is totally the blue style and Calgary has a lot of offensive firepower. I'd much rather see them playing somebody else <laughs> than, than either of those two teams in the first, in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't blame it all. And, and you're right, it would be uh, either Calgary or Winnipeg. And uh, both teams are teams that I seem to recall giving the Blues some trouble this year. So uh, I don't blame you on that. Gabriel, uh, what's your uh, one through four in the West? I think, I mean, just in terms of looking at the teams and where they'll line up, um, you know, Colorado, as great as they've been this year, they're a bunch of new pieces. And um, the Bednar, their coach did an amazing job. I can't believe he was snubbed for the Jack Adams. Did an amazing job lining up those new pieces and making them work, but they're still new pieces. The Blues lineup is, save for Scandella and Falk, the same lineup. Ruby doesn't have to do any work. So I think they have all the potential to come out on top of the round robin with Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas in that order after them. Um, just because I think they have the easiest job going into the round robin. They just have to strap on their boots and get back in shape and they're good. But to Wag's point, I don't know. I don't know if that's optimal. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 and you do have a good point there. And just taking a look here. I mean, the first seed gets either Calgary or Winnipeg and, you know, Winnipeg has Halia Buck, who's had a tremendous year this year. Probably also could have been a – he is a Vezina contender. He's one of the top three. And if you had to have me choose one, it'd probably be Halia Buck, honestly, because he's had to do more with less uh, than the other two. Um, so you got that. It, then the four seed gets either Edmonton or Chicago. I could live with that if I'm a Blues fan, but I don't think the Blues finished the four, uh, as a number four seed. I think they're going to be better than that. Uh, two seed gets either Vancouver or Minnesota. Vancouver kind of scares me a little bit, you know, just, just because they are kind of an up and coming team. And then the three seed gets either Nashville or Arizona and I, Arizona scares me a lot. So there's really, to me, in my opinion, except for that number four seed, there's really no winners in my opinion, as far as who finishes one through four, how I think it's going to be is I think, um, you know, Tarasenko is going to come out firing. He's his shoulder is 100%. Uh, he doesn't have to. In fact, he's had enough time to heal up to where I don't think he even has to have to really worry about a recurrence. You know, like unlike when he got it got hurt earlier this year, where there was still that concern. Um, I think I think the Blues are going to come out. You know, with a little bit of something to prove because it seems like people are kind of you know underestimating them again. And uh, they, had, they, under, they underestimated the Blues last year, and look what happened. Uh, so I'm going to say Blues, number one. I think Colorado finishes uh, number two. And I, and I see the Blues-Colorado game being, you know, particularly close. 
Um, you know, they, they, in fact, you know, Colorado probably gave the Blues the most fits this year. I mean, they they chased Jake Bennington both times or Jordan Bennington both times and had Jake Allen come in. Bennington apparently now cannot play in Denver anymore. Just you know, it was it was. I'm, I'm worried about him when he start plays in Denver because he got roasted the, the last two times. Um, I think the third seed. I think you know what you know. I mentioned Dallas kind of going ass backwards into the playoffs here with their performance. It's been a few months. I don't think that matters anymore. They've also got something to prove. And as I said, when Ben Bishop gets hot, um, there is no better goalie in the league, in my opinion. So I'm going to say Dallas three and then Vegas in a very surly fourth. Um, But I, I, I don't, I don't say that as an indictment on their chances uh, for uh, making a deep run this year. I think they're very capable as well. So that's who I'm going. I'm going Blues, Colorado, Dallas, and then and then Vegas as a number four. Uh, Eastern Conference, uh, round robin, you have Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philly. Uh, Gabriel, you already uh, mentioned uh, Boston's kind of uh, the team out of the East that kind of worries you the most. But uh, how do you see that finishing out uh, with the round robin? Uh, yeah, I think Boston wins it. All right. I think it's kind of weird um, with the Eastern Conference. It's kind of a mirror of the Western Conference. I don't know if that sounds a little dumb, but Boston and St. Louis, both cup favorites, both the same lineup. And we saw they shook up last year. Um, then you got, you know, Washington and Dallas, both capable, older goalies, but strong. Uh, you got Tampa and Vegas, both had very cold starts to the year, um, but heated up at the end. And then you got Philly and Colorado. and so I think Boston won, and then Philly too. They ended the year 14-4-0. Um, they're it, from a hockey tactics point of view, the systems that they run I've never seen before, and stuff. It's it's so unique. Uh, Alan, I can't pronounce his last name. Um, Video, some like yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> some Plus- French. Uh, He's he's done an incredible job. So I think Boston won. Tampa steals two, or uh, Philly steals two easily, um, and then Tampa and Washington um, kind of in that same vein with lose Colorado, Vegas, Dallas. I think they're mirror images. Yeah, and I I agree with you on Boston being probably coming out of that with the number one seed, just because I mean. When when the Stanley Cup final happened last year, I really looked at the Blues in Boston as like Rocky Balboa versus Apollo Creed. You know, you you know the Blues were the Rocky Balboa kind of coming out of nowhere. You know, they were the they were in the dumps. You know, halfway through the season, and they you know get this chance and they rise up and claim it. Uh, whereas Boston, you know, the kind of like the big you know you know the the, the champion or the presumed champion, if you will, going into the playoffs. Um, strong team up and down all sorts of history behind them. I mean, you know, they were the Apollo Creed and the Blues took advantage of Apollo Creed, not AKA the Bruins, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe caught them off guard, if you will. But this is going to be like Rocky two, where I think Boston's going to come out swinging and they're going to, they're, they're not going to mess around this year. They, they had their taste of the Stanley cup last year and they didn't get to keep it in Boston. The Blues took it out of Boston. That's they got a chip on their shoulders this year. I expect them to come out of the East uh, in general, and I think they'll come out swinging here. They'll take the first seed in the Eastern round robin. Uh, Second place, 
I like Philly a lot this year. I don't quite like them to beat overtake Tampa. And I'm taking a risk having any faith in Tampa in the playoffs because, you know, they kind of, you know, you know, bottled it last year. But I think they're going to come out also with a purpose as well. They're going to want to prove that, you know, they're not a bunch of choke artists, you know, that, you know, last year was indeed a fluke. And so, and, and they're just flat out, they have one of the deepest rosters, period. I mean, when you can have Kevin Shattenkirk, you know, and Pat Maroon at a combined, what, $2 million, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, their roster is incredible. Um, it's just a matter of them showing up for the playoffs. Number three, I do like Philly, uh, and and I and I and I think if 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 the cards fall in their favor, I think Philly could make a deep run. Uh, you know, here in this playoffs, I just they they got that something special about them. You know, and you know you're more of an analytics guy than I am, Gabriel, and you can kind of look and see you know the system and tactics that they're playing. It's working for them. They just, to me, just, just, just from a, you know, you know, more of a fan's uh, perspective and from a distant observer standpoint, they just have that something special, you know, and, it, and it's not gritty, but it's, it, it's something else. It's something else. And then number four, but, you know, will be, will, I guess by default would be Washington, but those are four teams that's just like, you know, we can kind of question Dallas a little bit and, you know, maybe Vegas is a notch below the Blues in Colorado. But that's a killer row of four teams in the East between Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philly. And really, that's up for grabs, in my opinion. I mean, I think I still feel pretty good about Boston taking it. But then the other three spots, really, it's kind of anyone's guess, in my opinion. Uh, Wags, what do you think about the East? Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right on there as well. I think it's going to be Boston, Tampa, Philly, and Washington. Um, but you could really mix and match those two through four spots. Uh, one guy, one team can get hot in this round robin and just take something away from somebody else. So I'm, it's not one of those set in stone. It's, it's very, very fluid. And, and back on your Rocky Balboa point, you know, the Blues, you know, their run and everything started in Gloria in Philadelphia. So that's a, that's a pretty fair comparison right there. There you go. There you go. It's some, if the shoe fits, right? <laughs> And so for the rest of the first round, let's go ahead and start off in the West here. We have uh, number five, Edmonton, against number 12, Chicago. Uh, Gabriel, uh, who's going to take that and why will it be Edmonton? Yeah, Edmonton is going to make Chicago look like they shouldn't be in this league. Um, Are you going to break out the broom for this one and say it's a sweep? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, not only is Edmonton just a better team all around than Chicago, but um, Corey Crawford's been deemed unfit to play. Damn. And that does not mean through the league technicalities, it doesn't mean he's not going to play at all. He could come back tomorrow and they could say, oh, he's fit to play now. Um, but everyone in Chicago, everyone in the state of Illinois thinks that Crawford's done. They think this is, you know, his season's over. And if that's the case, uh, you're seeing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl go up against Malcolm Subban or <laughs> Colin Delia, Colin Delia, who couldn't even hold his own in the AHL this year. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna, I think that's gonna be probably the most exciting series to watch because I think it's just gonna be manhandling. It's a bloodbath, and this could give a team like Edmonton the momentum they need to, you know, get through the rest of the of the playoffs. Uh, Wags, you agree? Uh. Unfortunately, I do agree, although I could see Edmonton somehow blowing this 
and allowing Chicago to to win this series. Uh, So that's why I think why it's going to make it so exciting is that you could have eight nothing games with Edmonton, but you could also see Chicago eke out some two one wins. And that's why I think makes it so interesting is that you could see an epic implosion by this Edmonton team. But I I still think Edmonton wins it. And I, I agree. I think a sweep is probably the most likely. It, it, it really comes down to the fact that if the Blackhawks had kept Robin Leonard and if Crawford's yep. going to be out, you they might be a sexy upset pick here mm-hmm. because it, it is Edmonton and Edmonton is known to you know you know fuck things up like this. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case here though. I don't I don't believe in Malcolm Subban at all, and uh, I think we can go ahead and start the conspiracy theories that Chicago will end up with Lafreniere because mm. getting killed off Chicago. Um, I hope not. I really hope not. Um, but uh, that's another topic for another podcast. Um, next one here. You already know my feelings on this one. I, and by the way, I'm agreeing Edmonton in a sweep over Chicago. Uh, you already know my feelings on this one. Number six, Nashville versus number 11, Arizona. I say Arizona in four. I think Nashville does get one. I just, I think their window is Nashville's closing fast on them. Pecorine is not the Pecorine that we know. And their alternative is you say sorrows and just say the word sorrows and you understand why you don't like having you say sorrows in your net because it usually is, is not good. Um, they, they have, they have a good defensive core. I mean, and they have some talent on offense, but it's just, to me, I, I I'm not feeling it with Nashville and not just cause I hate their guts. You know, I just, I just not feeling it. Whereas Arizona, I already mentioned, I think they have a chance to be a real Cinderella story here. They've got the pieces for it. They just need, you know, their goal is to stay healthy is really kind of the big thing with them and just getting some more consistency on offense. But I say Arizona on four in this one. Uh, what do you think, Gabriel? Yeah, I, Agree, Arizona four, maybe five, maybe Nashville pulls something out. Um, we've seen what Roman Yossi can do, so you never know. But yeah, Arizona's getting two uh, the best goalies in the league back healthy. Um, if they stay healthy, they're both made of glass, so we'll see how that goes. But um, I, it's been a few years for Arizona, hasn't it? Where yeah. they've gotten this spring, uh, this summer hockey. Um, so I think all their players have disappointed, um, Ekman Larson fans want more out of him, Clayton Keller. Uh, I think they're all going to see this. They're all going to see the position they're in and I'm right there with you. I think they steal this series. Um, I think it'll be closer than we expect, but I, I could see them going on a bit of a tear too. Yeah. Wax. Yeah, I think Arizona as well. Nashville is really nothing without their home crowd. Uh, they they feed off of it. They really use that to their advantage. And when you get them out of that arena and no fans, uh, they're still a good team. And I agree that this pie will go four or five and be very, very close. But Arizona has something to prove, and they're going to be the one that takes this. Yeah. That's a really good point with the home crowd. I didn't even think of that. That is all <laughs> Nashville has to them. Yeah, that's that's really it. I mean, I I went to Bridgestone for a game around Thanksgiving this uh, this season, and it was just like I mean, most of the fans I talked to were like you know when you actually like sat down and talked to them were were pretty cool, but their in game presentation just encourages like high school bully behavior with their fans, and it just it's very amateur, just yeah. amateur hour. Um, I just I was I was not a fan. Um. And and uh, we also are rivals with uh, the Nashville podcast and our network, Rippin' Biscuits. Devin and Craig, hello. Uh, you're probably listening and probably will have a retort next week on this. Um, but regardless, um, 
next matchup here, we have number seven, Vancouver versus number 10, Minnesota. And I would not, first of all, this is, this is a matchup that if you had told me this was going to be a thing, you know, before the season that Vancouver and Minnesota would match up in the playoffs, you're nuts because these are, these are teams that have suffered, you know, in recent years, Vancouver seems to have, you know, kind of like a little bit like Philadelphia. They kind of, they, they have a little bit of that special something, something this year. Um, you know, I, Markstrom is, as I said, he's, he's been a tremendous goalie for him. Um, you know, in Minnesota, I mean, they, they, they played well down the stretch. I just, I can't with them. I just, I just can't, I can't get interested in Minnesota. Um, I think Vancouver, I'm going to say in four. What do you think, Gabriel? Yeah, uh, Vancouver and four. I just, what's there to be excited about with Minnesota? They're so boring. I, they're so boring. I don't see any positives. Devin Dubnik, statistically, <laughs> the worst goalie in the league this year. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, I, I don't know where they came from. I don't know how they're here at all. But I just, I, I don't see the positives in them. I think Vancouver, yeah, Vancouver and four. Yeah, and it's just I, I guess Minnesota's. I mean, fans are very excited about uh, this cap resolve that is signed for them. You know, going forward, a Russian prospect, and they're like all like ordering his jerseys, and it's like if that's the most exciting thing that you can get excited about as a Minnesota Wild fan, you got issues. You got issues. That's for sure. Um, so Vancouver, Minnesota, Wags. What do you what do you see this? I got I got Vancouver in a sweep. I don't even see Minnesota winning a game. They're just. They're not, like you said, they're not exciting. They have a lot of aging players. And, you know, Dubnik may be able to steal a game from, but I just I just don't see it happening. I got Vancouver in a sweep. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you on that. And then in what could be the toughest first-round matchup and maybe closest first-round matchup, we have number eight Calgary versus number nine Winnipeg. Um I'm I even say what you will about Halia Buck as a as a person. I like him a lot as a goalie and I think he's done a lot with very little in Winnipeg this year. Um, they, and of course they still have some prime offensive offensive talent as well. Patrick line is always a danger. Uh, Kyle Connor's a danger. Mark Shifley is the best center you've, you've haven't heard of, you know, he's not a household name, but he's, you know, still really good. Um, I like, I like them. I think, I think they take Calgary, but it's going to be in five. Um, and this, this is, this is one where I, I, this is one of those ones where I'm very tempted to just flip a coin on because Calgary's got a lot going for them too this year. Um, but I, I think Winnipeg last year, I think they, they, they got a, a similar chip on their shoulder that a team like a, like a Tampa has, you know, where, you know, they got kind of, you know, you know, stuffed, you know, by the blues in the first round last year. And I think they expected more. And I, and I think they might have a chip on their shoulder this year a little bit. Um, Gabriel, where do you see Calgary and Winnipeg uh, ending up at? You know, I, I came into this uh, came into this today with Calgary. But thinking about it more, uh, Hellybuck, he, he, he was a terror for St. Louis last year. Yeah. Um, it, it was a breeze of a series minus him. And the Blues really, it took something extra to get by him. Um, there were moments where I thought, oh, there's no way, you know. Um, so I don't think Calgary has that extra extra oomph to get by Hellybuck. And then, so I, yeah, I think Winnipeg in five as well. Uh, I think that game five will 
go to overtime or something like we're going to really see it go down to the wire. Um, but in our reason, I'm doubting Calgary. Little <laughs> fun tidbit. Um, I believe a TSN writer report on this the other day. I'm not sure, but they aren't letting Johnny Godrew practice with the main squad. Uh, he's not practicing with his main line right now. He's uh, the post-practice squad is who he's with right now. Um, same with Andrew Mangiapan and a couple other players. Um, and it's got a lot of eyebrows raised, um, whether it's just because, you know, maybe Godrew's hurt or maybe it's because Calgary hates him, which uh, it seems like Calgary hates him. But I think you're stifling your star player heading into the playoffs. I just, I don't think that's going to work. I think that's just going to smack morale right in the face. And so, yeah, I think that gives Winnipeg the edge uh, all the same. So, yeah, Winnipeg in five. And uh, Wags, what do you got? Yeah, I got Winnipeg in five as well. It's going to definitely be a, a fun series, a heavy hitting series. Matthew Kachuk, I, we love the Kachuks in St. Louis, and I love watching him play. I think he's going to do some stuff for Calgary, but I got Winnipeg in five. Very agreeable group here so far. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, uh, it sounds like it sounds like we, the three of us, at least know our stuff. So I'm gonna say it's a good thing. Oh darn it! Zoom is telling us that we're running out of time again. So we're gonna step out for just a moment and get set up once again. But in the meantime, have you heard our other hockey podcast network podcast? Well, here is a preview of our Vancouver Canucks podcast, Stick and Rink. <laughs> You're a slob. Like shut your whore mouth. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, like the fir- the phrase pigeon toss, like I find that hilarious. <laughs> like as if you were to toss a pigeon. Like, what the fuck is a pigeon toss? No, like you just pigeon toss a guy out of the way, like Let's go, he scores! Don't forget to catch Stick in Rank, the healthiest podcast in the Vancouver area. Every Monday on the Stick in Rink podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast from, or on the hockey podcast network, every team, everywhere. You know how fucked I am in the head? When you said pigeon toss, the first thing I thought of was midget toss. We're back. And now let's go and shift over to the Eastern Conference. We have number five, Pittsburgh, taking on number 12, Montreal. And I think most fans, even in Montreal, aren't expecting much out of the Canadians' this playoffs. I think this, this series here has the potential, as much as any other series, to be an absolute bloodbath. I think I think Pittsburgh sweeps in three. Um, I just I don't think Montreal's into it this year, just in general. And I can actually, honestly, I'm I'm when you talk about Lafreniere conspiracy theories, you know, who wouldn't love a French Canadian to play for Montreal? You know, as good as Lafreniere. So that's the other side of the conspiracy coin here. That's either NHL loves Chicago or the French Canadian connection there with the Canadians. Um, but I don't think this is going to be much of a series. Uh, what do you think, Gabriel? You know what? I think Pittsburgh in five. Um, mm. Montreal is this series is the um, you know the poster boy for the advanced stat community right now. We're all losing our minds because <laughs> Montreal has had the best transition offense and the best setups. You know, basically every offensive stat you could throw. They've been near the top or at the top of the league, but their shooting luck is awful. 
Um, Jonathan Drew and Max Domi, they're just not producing this year and their quality chances are in the drain because of it. Um, so I think Pittsburgh beats them. Pittsburgh's a better lineup. They're getting Gwensel back. They're getting Crosby back. Um, they're getting Dumoulin and Marino and all the injuries they've had. Um, so they're the better lineup. But I could see Montreal banking on some of that bad luck and making a series out of it. But I, I think game five, if I had to throw a number out there, it'd be like 5-2. I think Pittsburgh's going to come into game five and, you know, it's Pittsburgh. They're the playoff dynamos. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you with, with that. Wags, do you agree? Yeah, I agree with it. And it, once again, you talk about goaltending duos. I mean, Murray and, and Jari, those two guys, you're, you're going to see another situation where you had with Murray and Flurry, where maybe Matt Murray's a guy that gets pushed out eventually and maybe Seattle. traded to a team that needs it. Yeah, Seattle, very, very possible. Yeah. So once again, you got to have, in this league, you have to have two goaltenders that are going to be able to win you games. And in this sort of setup, you are definitely going to need two. And the fact that they are completely healthy and a healthy Crosby. We had an argument on my, on my show about Ovi and Crosby, who's the better player. And Crosby by far is the better player. And the fact that he's healthy, I'd be scared of Pittsburgh making a deep run in this, yeah. in this tournament. I respectfully disagree with you on the Ovi versus Crosby. Oh, I, love, I love Ovi and I hate Crosby. Look, skill-wise and teammate-wise, he is better. I think Crosby would win a skills competition between the two easily, but Ovechkin is just the the, the pure goal scorer. I mean, he is. I think he's gonna. I think he honestly is gonna make a, a serious run at uh, Gretzky's all time scoring record. I think. I, I got. A, I got a segment for our next show, and it's gonna be. It's gonna be the the tale of the tape, and we're gonna go. You and I are gonna go on on Crosby and Ovechkin. All right. All right. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. So, yeah, uh, by the way, he's talking about his other podcast, Crunch Time, uh, which we can take a small interlude here. Tell us about Crunch Time, Wags. Uh, we're, we're just a, uh, a local sports show that hits on everything. Uh, we are live on Facebook. We are on KYRO 1280 AM 105.3 FM Sundays from 9 to 11. It's a great show. We, uh, we actually have had some huge guests, and we're going to have some even bigger guests coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, head over to the Facebook page and check it out there. And also, if you uh, follow Arch City Sports, you yep. uh, premiere video, uh, videos on there as well. So we do. We we we, we might be doing that ourselves here. We'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll open the door to that here uh, as the time goes on. Um, all right, back to uh, the Eastern Conference here. We have number six Carolina versus number eleven uh, New York Rangers. I have a I know where Gabriel stands on this one here. Um, I'm I'm going to say Carolina. I think the Rangers. I think they're good enough to get one. I, I'm going to say, but that's all they're going to get. I'm going to say Carolina in four. Uh, before we get to you, Gabriel, Gabriel Wags, where do you see uh, the Hurricanes versus the Rangers going? I think you're right on that. That's uh, Carolina in four. We talk about, once again, goaltenders. New York can't decide on who they want in net. Uh, and they've got some good choices, don't get me wrong. But the fact that there's so much inability to name a consistent starter, that's yeah. going to hurt them. And uh, I, I just I like Carolina a lot. Which is sad when you think about, you know, because they still have Henrik Lundqvist, you know, but, you know, we, we kind of talked about Pecorine being up there in years, you know, and just the general decay in ability. I mean, Rene is going to be Lundqvist in a couple of years, yep. you know, easily. All right, Gabriel, uh, Carolina Rangers, why is Carolina going to b- blow away New York? Well, who does New York have besides Panarin and Sabanajan? I well, mean, Kako, but he's not, he's yeah. not, he's not ready. He's not ready for prime <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, um, yeah. They they have names. They have the young, the young guys that might come into something. But I just, 
I haven't been comfortable with New York all year. Um, they were fighting for this because they got Savannah Jan back after that injury that held them out for a chunk of the season. Um, and that's the reason they're here, Panarin, Savanjad. Uh, but Carolina, Carolina's bringing, I think, 10 defensemen into the bubble with them, which is absurd. Yeah. Um, but they got the defensive depth to stop Panarin, Savanjad. They got the offense and Aho, Svechnikov, um, Trocek, every other name on their lineup. And they got the goalie tandem in um, Mrazek and Reimer, I think, are the two. So I, I think they got all the pieces, and I, I just New York doesn't scare me much, other than their figure heads. Uh, I, I don't think they have much to back it. That's fair. That's fair, and and yeah, I, I kind of see the see things the same way there. Now for the other New York team, the number seven New York Islanders versus number ten Florida. I really, <laughs> I really don't know what to make of this series because it's. <sighs> It doesn't feel like a real series. No, it doesn't. And 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 not only that, but I'll admit I I I have not watched a lot of the Florida Panthers this year in general. I know Bob Robsky's not been exactly as advertised, you know, for them this year. Um I don't know on this one. I I, I, I guess Islanders, but I just I just don't know. It it just as as you said, Gabriel, it just doesn't feel like a real series to me. Yeah. What, I uh, I I'm going to go with the Panthers and I, the main reason is because they've got one of the most underrated players in the NHL, one of the most under promoted players in the NHL and Jonathan Huberto and add that to Alexander Barkov. Those two guys can really change a series and say what you will about Boston, but Noel Chari was very, very good for them in the finals last year and bringing that pedigree into their lineup could do something for Florida. So I'm, I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to go with the Panthers in, in five. And plus we know Achari can take a trip like no others. So yes, he can. Know, <laughs> that was totally tripping by the way. I don't know why that wasn't called just for the record. Um, made up for the hand pass. Yeah, yeah maybe. That, that, that is the karmic balance right there. <laughs> um, so, so Gabriel, what, what do you think about the Islanders in Florida? Yeah, I'm torn on it too. Uh, the Islanders, are one of the best defensive teams in the league. You know, Barry Trotz has revolutionized that team. It's been awesome to see. But imagine being Bobrovsky. Imagine signing a record-breaking deal. Everyone's losing their mind. You're going to live in Florida. Um, I mean, that's just the stars aligned for him, and he disappointed. So I think the team that could most be impacted by this break it's Florida. I think Bobrovsky could, you know, have looked at himself in the mirror and said, you know, I'm supposed to be a star goalie. I'm supposed to be a double digit million dollar contract goalie. Um, and I think it could go either way. I think even if Bobrovsky plays like he had been playing, it could go either way. But I think, I think he's going to come out and surprise people. I can see that, you know, th- this is going to be kind of like a refresher for Bobrovsky, you know, and, and, and you know, does, he's kind of starting off on a new, on a new leaf, if you will. And um, he, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think he could turn some eyes as well. Um, and you bring up a good point about the Islanders and that they're so defensively oriented to the point where they're kind of boring to watch, which is why I haven't watched yeah. a lot of Islanders games in general. Um, but, you know, they, they still have Matthew Barzal, who's, you know, one of the best young forwards in the game. Um, and 
we've seen in the past, like with the Stars last year, for instance, a defense-first team that could give teams fits and possibly make deep runs. Like I, I'm of the belief last year that had the Stars gotten by the Blues, they could have gone to the final. I think they would have handled the Sharks, and I think they would have given the Bruins a tough test, just like they gave the, the Blues a tough test. Um, the Islanders play also play a very defensively styled, you know, uh, type of a type of a game. Barry Trotz, as you mentioned, is a heck of a coach. I mean, the guy just won a Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. Let's not forget that. Um, I, I I'm going to say just for the for the record, Islanders in five. But I'm with you, both of you guys, and that it could go either way. And yeah. I think, and I think they're, they're, Florida's got enough about it to make a challenge. Um, it's just can can Huberdeau, can Barkoff, can that offense crack the Islanders' defense? That's going to be to me the ultimate question here. And I don't know if they can. Um, but I could easily be wrong in this one. That that one is one that I'll I'll readily admit that I could flip a coin on easily. Yeah. And then our final series in the East, and uh, perhaps uh, one of the more interesting in terms of uh, storylines, number eight, Toronto versus number nine, Columbus. And as I said earlier, everyone loves Columbus because because they're playing Toronto, and everyone's just expecting Toronto to completely melt down like Chernobyl and, you know, just, you know, get blown out by the Blue Jackets this year. And to be fair, the Blue Jackets have surprised a lot of fans, this, you know, experts this year. They had a bad offseason where they lost Bobrovsky. They lost, uh, uh, they lost just, just lost a lot in general. Yeah. And yet here they are. You know, I mean, if, if you want to talk about a team that is built to be a darling, you know, in this playoffs, it's Columbus. Uh, whereas Toronto, I mean, there's a, admittedly, you look at Toronto, you look at Austin Matthews, you know, pulling his pants down and, you know, being inappropriate to that, uh, you know, one gal in Arizona. Um, somehow he's up for Lady Being, which I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is Toronto still has, as I had said earlier, they, they still are very talented. They have those young guns up front. It's a fresh start for them as well. If they can sort out their defense, Anderson's a hell of a goalie and a guy that if he gets hot is capable of taking this team on a little bit of a run. I don't know if they have enough to go like, you know, toe to toe with the top four, you know, but that being said, I'm picking Toronto in four over Columbus. And I know that's not going to be a popular pick, but I just think we're sleeping on Toronto a little bit too much. Uh, Wags, I saw you nodding. What do you think? Um, I, I I think that Toronto can win the series uh, if they can get their defense figured out. But just going through the Columbus roster, I mean, you've got so much. I can understand why people are, are high on them. Uh, I'm going to go with Columbus in five. Uh, you know, you've got guys on that lineup like, you know, Wenberg and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Bjorkstrand and Atkinson. And then defensively, you've got Jones and Wawrinski. And their duo in, in Corpusalo and Merzlikens is – it's really, really good. Um, <laughs> and the fact that they were able to take out Tampa last year. And yes, they had other guys on this team, you know, like a Panarin, but they have that winning mentality in Columbus. So I can see them just going back in there and pulling it off. That Yes, they're playing in Toronto, but they're playing in Toronto without fans. On the flip side, though, Toronto's playing in Toronto without fans. <laughs> so they, 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 they don't have that pressure. Yes, they're going to have the media pressure still, but it's not going to be as big as when fans are in the stadium and all the media is there and cameras are clicking. So really, I don't fault you for picking Toronto because the pressure, while 
there isn't there as much as you would think it is. So I'm going Columbus in five, but I think this one could go either way. All right, Toronto or Columbus, who you got, Gabriel? Yeah, I think it's in our coin flip. Uh, it could go either way. Um, for the longest time, I've been picking Columbus. But I think, think I'm going to make this one my hot take. I think Toronto sweeps the series. Ooh, um, I think wow. it's the same thing as Bobrovsky. Uh, I think it's the same thing with their defense. They could really have looked at themselves in the mirror and thought, you know, we're way better than this. You know, you got Jake Muzzin, Travis Dermott, uh, Morgan Riley, or yeah, Morgan Riley. Um, you got promising guys, and then Anderson, same deal. Um, when I look at this Toronto roster, when I write down the roster and I look at them, they should be cup winners. They should be up there with Boston and St. Louis. I mean, you got Austin Matthews, you got Mitch Marner. You know, even their fourth line is better than some teams' second lines. Um, so they just, this is another situation like Florida. They need to click. And yeah. that's a big if. And when you're in Toronto and dealing with the city of Toronto and the country of Canada bearing down on you, uh, it's hard. But I think, I think they could click. And I think if there's going to be any team they click against, it's going to be Columbus, who yeah. Columbus has, you know, had issues sparking their offense. They've had an um, incredible goalie duo to Wag's point. I mean, wow, what <laughs> those two came out of nowhere. I know, right? But, um, yeah, I is another coin flip, but I, I think Toronto could sweep this series if they, you know, come out guns a blazing like they should. Yeah, definitely. And it's it just funny, this, you know, just talking about them here. Doesn't seem like the Toronto Maple Leafs are kind of like the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL. Oh, yeah. You know, in, in that they're this big mach- marketing machine. <laughs> you know, they have, uh, you know, a rabid fan base that annoys people. And yet their on the field effort never is quite what it should be. Even though on paper it's good, they're just never quite there. So um, there we go. Um, and Who I think in Toronto's they, your Dak then. What's that? Who's the Dak Prescott of the Leafs then? Oh, Dak Prescott. I would probably Is it say, Anderson. Uh, yeah, criminally underpaid, and no one really gives him a, a fair shake. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. I can see. I can That's see. What I think. Yeah, Anderson. That's interesting. That. That's a good debate. And then Zeke would be. Uh, who do you think, Matthew? Tavares? Oh, Tavares. Oh, Tavares is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Man, that's this is a whole other topic we can, <laughs> yeah. have, you know, if we. But I, I think we're kind of running out of time as it is right now. So I think we're going to leave it at that, uh, Gabriel. But let's go ahead and have you come back when it's time for the second round. Yeah. And and uh, Gabriel, you've been a great guest. Uh, I want to thank you for being on Blue Notes today. Go ahead and plug away. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people read you? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at NHL Foley, uh, NHL F-O-L-E-Y. Everyone spells my last name wrong for some reason. Um, I'm very active there. Love, love, love talking to fans um, about anything and everything under the sun. They can read my works at St. Louis Game Time. Like you mentioned, I do works for their paper. I do works for their website. And then I'm the senior editor at LastWordOnHockey.com. So you can read me there. And everything that's published there in one way or another goes through me. So, uh, yeah, those are three spots. Definitely follow me on Twitter. And uh, thank you guys so, so much for having me on. It's been very, very fun. 
And now we're going to switch over from beautiful Peoria, Illinois to Honolulu, Hawaii. We have an aloha commentary from the friend of the program, uh, the Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. And uh, today he is going to talk about the uh, return to play and how we should be optimistic that we're going to get a Stanley Cup champion this year before another COVID rampage goes on. So without further ado, take it away, Guy. Aloha. This is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue Note Fan Report. This is my Aloha commentary. The NHL is back. Yet some people seem to think that everything that negative happens means that you need to shut it down. A, the first thing you hear is it's not worth the risk. Well, in my eyes, that's not our decision to make. These players are finely tuned athletes who have spent the last few months preparing for these playoffs. These players, some of them who will have babies due during this period, have decided that this is what they want. And if that's what they want, I'm all for it. Just because one or two get sick, and that's what happens, I don't think that we need to shut it down. The second thing that you hear from people is that it's all about the money. Well, you're absolutely right. In this case, it's all about $1.5 billion. That's right. NBC has already paid the NHL through the end of the season for a total of about $1.5 billion. If the NHL goes into next season owing NBC $1.5 billion and have negotiations for the new contract with ends next season, the NHL would not be in a very advantageous situation. By having this CBA done and playing this playoff out, they won't owe that money and they will be able to go to NBC and say, see, we know what we're doing. We can make this happen during a pandemic. Everything is looking good for the NHL. The last thing I think of this. Back in 1968, was one of the most tumultuous years in the United States. There were riots, there were two assassinations, and just absolute plain craziness. But NASA decided over Christmas to send three astronauts, including Jim Lovell, on a joyride around the moon for a proof of concept. On the way back, they got tons upon tons of telegrams. One of the telegrams they got was from a just common citizen who told them, thanks for saving 1968. Well, the guys in this playoff have that chance. They can be the ones that save 2020. This is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, saying aloha, mahalo, Gotta know I'm bleeding blue with you. I hope to see you on the Blue Notes Fan Report and listen to me for my Aloha commentary. Aloha.
And thank you so much for that, Guy. Uh, Guy's Aloha commentary will be a part of this program going forward here on Blue Notes. Uh, Of course, he hosts the Blue Note singular Blue Note fan reports. You can find it on YouTube at the Hawaii Blues fan Blue Note fan report. Just search for something like that and it should pull up. He also is on Twitter as well as at Hawaii Blues fans. So that's the best way to keep in contact with him. He's very active on Twitter. He's very uh, interested in getting to know you. He's a very, uh, he's a very friendly person, isn't he, Wags? Oh, very, very friendly. And he's getting the guests, too. I mean, that's something we haven't been able to do yet, but he's getting the guests. And that's a perfect segue into our next little foray with uh, a guy, although you're only going to hear him for a couple of seconds here because uh, he talked to Chris Kerber, who is never short for words. He is the radio voice of the St. Louis Blues. And... uh, We'll go ahead and have Guy take it away here, but uh, uh, this is the view on the return to play from Chris Kerber himself. Let's go ahead and take a listen. I want to ask about this playoffs. What are your expectations for this playing round and the playoffs that we see coming up? And I know we talked offline. Can you tell us how you're going to be calling the games? I think, well, we're going to be calling games off monitors. We're not going to go into the bubble, and I think that is the smart decision to make. Um, But... Look, I think, I think we got some hurdles yet, okay? First off, we got to get to the bubble. And then the bubble has to work. Um, but uh, in talking to players and other people around the game, there's such a level of seriousness about this. I do think the NHL has given themselves the best opportunity. I don't know if it no, – nobody knows for sure if it's going to work. Just goes back to what I was saying before. Somebody goes, ah, it's not going to work, really. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, they, got, they, they have some more clairvoyance than anybody knows. Nobody can see the future, so just – Enjoy the, the fact that it's playing out. So when you got to get to the bubble, then you got to get the bubble to work. If it does, and we get there, and it's looking positive right now. Look, I I believe that this will be the hardest Stanley Cup to ever win. And the reason I believe that is because you had teams that thought they were out of it, that the season was done in three weeks, that now have a second chance. Did an interview with Luke Cunning. Minnesota Wild, even though they were a couple points out, there was a chance their season was going to end early. And they now are going to work knowing that they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, proven winners, now know that they have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. They got a new lease on life, and that could be dangerous. They're going to have to play a very serious five-game series just to get a chance while these other teams are playing seating. Maybe they got some momentum. I don't know how this is all going to play out. Uh, you had teams like Columbus, that were no way in hell were going to be healthy, that are now completely healthy for the most part. Jake Gensel is back for the Pittsburgh Penguins to play on the left side of Sidney Crosby. Vladimir Tarasenko, instead of playing at the time when he thought he was close to 100%, just now had the last four months to continue strengthening his shoulder for the St. Louis Blues. Nathan McKinnon, who was banged up and not even playing at the time of the pause, is now healthy. Steven Stamkos suffered a back injury, lower body injury, you know, so who knows what his status will be, you know, for Tampa Bay. But look at the health thing there. I mean, the nicks and the bumps and the bruises that you had going into the playoffs after an 82-game grind are gone. Uh, So unless you get them in camp or these exhibition games or something happens there, man, teams are energized and healthy and I think that level of competition is going to be absolutely insane. Insane. And, I mean, look at the Vegas, like Vegas. 
Vegas, Colorado, Dallas. I mean, Dallas was two inches away from eliminating the Blues in Game 7, maybe an inch away from eliminating the Blues in Game 7, a minute and a half before Pat Maroon scored. I look at the teams in the East. Columbus, who was in the eighth seed at the time of the pause, is now healthy. And if they get the goaltending from Elvis, shoot, they, they could make some I, – I, I could easily see Columbus beating Toronto. I, I could see that happening. I, I could see that happening easily. doesn't mean it's going to happen. You know, I mean, what are the Montreal Canadiens behind Carey Price, who all the players continue to think is the best goaltender in the league, Carey Price goes on a run like Yara Halak did in 2009 for Montreal and carried the Canadians several rounds into the playoffs. What if Carey Price does that right now? I just, I just, you know, right before we did the taping here, I was on a call with Colton Pareko, and he brought up a great point. Think about the Buffalo Sabres. Was it a year or so ago that started the season off absolutely on fire, like like one of the best records in the league through 20 games. And then laid an egg the rest of the way and misses the playoffs big, right? But a team, like, like right now, and general managers are concerned about this. Is, it, is a player traditionally a fast starter or a slow starter? Yeah, we're starting to play us, but they just had four, four months off. This is like a new season. Man, if you're traditionally a slow starter and you're a, a key player, that could impact one of these top teams in the league. If you if you're the Arizona Coyotes and you're coming out of this and you end up being a fast starter team, right? Could you upset Nashville? No reason to think you couldn't. Don't forget the Nashville Predators had a coaching change midseason. You know, I mean the, the Minnesota Wild just took the interim tag off Dean Evanson. They had a change midseason. I mean, good lord, all bets are off. I mean, this is. I mean, this is literally throw the chips in the air and see you can grab them because the number of factors and the number of storylines and the number of from COVID testing to injuries to healthy players to lucky bounces to a play-in team upsetting one of the bottom four teams to, to then coming in and upsetting one of the top seeds. Hell, we've seen it happen all the time. I mean, if, if, this, doesn't, if this doesn't just get your geek meter throttling I, I mean i don't know what does then then on top of it all from a fan standpoint because they decided on toronto and edmonton the way the 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 time zone opportunities you are going to have games going on like if you're in the central time zone where i am you're going to have to get up really early right but but if you're in the central time zone where i am Games are going to be starting at 11 in the morning and going until midnight at night every day for several weeks until you get into, you know, that second round of the playoffs. Like, look, this is just going to be amazing. Uh, and knock on wood, everything stays healthy and they're able to manage somebody testing positive because that's going to happen. Uh, and they're able to contain it and nothing stops this because if it does, honest to goodness, it's going to be the best two to two and a half months maybe a hockey fan has ever seen. All right. Thanks a lot, Curbs. And again, that episode with Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, is on his YouTube page. Uh, I already, you know, it's the Hawaii uh, uh, fan report. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's something like that. You can just, just, just search, search the word Hawaii Blues fan and you should be able to find it. So um, that is going to do it for this episode. Wags, this was a packed episode. 
Oh, it certainly was. We hit on everything. We hit on the return to play. We've hit on the draft picks. We hit on Scotty Perunovich. And we had a great <laughs> guest in Gabriel Foley. Uh, a great insight, like you said, analytical side of things, which is something we are trying to get in on board. But uh, numbers don't work for me very well. So no, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was a great, great show. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to thank Gabriel Foley for being on again. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at NHL Foley, F-O-L-E-Y. He writes for St. Louis Game Time as well as uh, Last Word on Hockey. Um, He is uh, one of the more prominent writers, too, on St. Louis Game Time as well. So whether you subscribe to it online or just read his articles online or the fan rag before the game that we all know and love and I've grew up with, you know, over the years, um, you can find his content in that as well. So uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Blue Nose. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me, there is no WAGS, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin, always reminding you to always play to the whistle, and I screwed that ending up, so I got to redo that again. Take two. It's been it's been it's been six weeks. It has. <laughs> and that's gonna do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I'm gonna thank you, the listener, because without you, there is no me, there is no wags, and there is no blue notes. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. listening to the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockeypodnet new episodes every monday download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from <laughs>